to minister to your youth, you have to have a good relationship with them. But relationships can feel kind of one-sided if your youth are unwilling or unable to communicate with you. There are a lot of things that can get in the way of youth communication, but there are also a lot of things that we can do to help our youth communicate with us better, to be able to better understand them and to provide what they need so that we can love them and show them that we care about them and help that relationship. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the mistakes that we make that get in the way of our youth's ability to communicate with us and some of the things that we can do to help them be better at communicating what they need, what they're feeling, what they're going through, so that we can serve them better in our ministry. My name is Michael Collins. The Maximize Youth Ministry podcast exists to help you gain skill and confidence in youth ministry. I hope you love the show. So at least twice now, I've mentioned the importance of making sure that your youth feel safe opening up and talking about problems in your youth ministry. Your ministry needs to be a safe location for them. That is so important. And that's probably the first thing that we need to think about when we're trying to figure out what is keeping our youth from being able to communicate what they need with us or what they're feeling with us. Do they feel safe? Is it a safe environment for them to open up and talk to us about that? I talk about this in the Tough Case 101 online course. The first step of the Tough Case system is separate. I talk about how you need to find somewhere that your youth are comfortable. And I really think that this is one of the biggest problems when it comes to our youth being able to communicate with us is their fear of communicating with us. Not necessarily of of telling us anything, but of what maybe is going to happen. What are their friends going to think? Are they going to be judged by us or by their friends or by the other kids in the youth group? They're, you know, teenagers especially are very, I would say, socially anxious most of the time. They're trying to figure out what their role is, what the pecking order is. They want to be more popular than they are. They don't want to be the outcast that's their worst nightmare most of the time. So they're very self-conscious about what are their friends going to think if I start to open up about this problem. And I was sent this gold nugget recently. It's a Facebook post from 2018 that I want to share with you. The post was initially made by a teacher named Julia Brown. And she shared how in her classroom she got a shoebox, cut a little slit in it, wrapped it in gift wrap, and called it the I Need Box. And she put it in her classroom and told her students, if you need anything, if there's any problems, anything you want to tell me, you can write it on the card and drop it in the I Need Box. In the first week, she got two cards that made her aware of a bullying situation that was happening in her classroom, so she got that taken care of. And already, this is a great idea, but she took it a step further which made it genius, which is the next week, she made it a rule where every day, all of her students have to drop a piece of paper into the box. It doesn't have to have anything on it, but they have to walk over and put a piece of paper in. And if you don't already see why this is genius, let me explain. As soon as she made this rule, she got a plethora of new needs coming in from bullying situations to help on homework to just people who needed a hug. And the reason was because since every student had to put a piece of paper in the box, there was no more fear of, oh, if I drop something in the box, everybody's going to know that I 
told on my friend for bullying or I was the one who I need something or I'm I'm different in some way. It got rid of that fear and opened it up and made it incredibly easy for these students to share the things that they're struggling with, the things that they need from their teacher with her so she can handle it and serve her students. It's just perfect. It cut, got rid of all of those barriers, all of the fear, all of everything that was hindering them from being able to communicate and made it super easy. And that's what we need to try to do in our youth ministry. Ideally, our ministry is a safe place where students just feel free to be able to open up and talk about the issues that they're having. But that's the ideal. That's not the reality. The reality is they're going to be nervous. They're going to be scared, depending on the severity of the issue, to come and talk to you about it. So whatever we can do to reduce their anxiety, to reduce their fear, to get rid of those roadblocks, we need to do. And there are other things that we can do that just to help them communicate when they maybe can't find the words, especially with younger kids. Sometimes they struggle just to find the words to say what they're trying to say. So there are other things that we can do to help them to know what to say or how to communicate what they're trying to communicate. Because it's incredibly frustrating when you're trying to tell somebody something and they just are not getting it. And we don't want that to be what the reality for our students. We want to understand when they try to speak to us. So I'm going to share a few more things that we can do, some tips on how to make it easier to get rid of fear and anxiety for our students to be able to communicate with us. And then also, so just some ways of helping them to be able to communicate when they don't have the words. The first thing I've got, the first thing we need to be aware of, I guess, when we talk about making it a safe place for our youth to be able to communicate is our own body language. Because in addition to their communication, the things that they're trying to say, we are always communicating. When we walk into a room, even if we don't say a word, we're communicating something to everyone who sees us through our body language, through our facial expression, through our eyes, where our eyes go. Whatever you're looking at, you're communicating that that's the most important thing in the room. That's where your your attention is. That's where you're saying other people's attention needs to be. Everything that you do is communicating something. So be aware of that fact, especially when you're trying to have a conversation with a student, a child or a teenager in your youth ministry. What are you communicating non-verbally? What is your body language saying? What is your tone of voice saying? Because if it's scary and intimidating and judgmental in any way, they're going to put up walls and they're not going to talk to you because they're afraid of, of getting bit. They're afraid of negative consequences. They they're venturing out into unknown territory by con confiding in you for the first time. And so their guard is up. We need to do everything we can to alleviate that, to lower those defenses and, and help them realize that they can trust us and they can talk to us. So a big part of that is just going to be in our body language. One other thing that not everybody thinks about when it comes to communicating with youth, especially about issues that they might be having, is our reaction to those things. So that to our reaction to what they tell us. Not only just our nonverbal communication, but when they, if a child comes to you and tells you uh, that they're being bullied, how do you respond to that? Or even more serious, if they come to you and tell you that they're being abused at home in some way, what is your response to that? And a lot of times our gut reaction, that's a that's big, a terrible thing to hear. That's a terrible news that our heart aches for these kids if they open up about a serious problem like that. And so our gut reaction might be to show that and to 
to show them that we care and that we're sorry and we want to help them. And we kind of overwhelm them with our own emotion. They're already nervous because they're opening up about something that they they don't know if it's safe to open up about this. They don't know what the consequences of them telling you about this situation are going to be. They're already overwhelmed and nervous. If we have a strong reaction, whether it is is anger or empathy or sadness, anything that shows that we're feeling very strong emotions can be overwhelming, especially to younger kids. The best response, no matter what a child or teen tells you, is always going to be a calm, cool, level-headed question of just really, why is that? Or tell me more. Or just in reflective listening, we just restate back to them what they told us. They said they're being bullied. You say, oh, is so-and-so messing with you? You know, just kind of restating in your own words what they just said to show them that you are listening and you are hearing them, but not getting overly emotional about it because that for two reasons. One, like I mentioned, it can be overwhelming, but also there are kids and teenagers who will exaggerate things to you to get an emotional response out of you. And when a student first walks over and shares something with you, you're not going to know any details about what is going on in this situation. So that's another reason not to get overly emotional is that might be what they're, they might be trying to get an emotional response out of you. They might be trying to get some sort of a reaction or upset you in some way because kids can do that. They'll do that sometimes just to get your more attention from you. If they are wanting more attention and they feel like they're not getting it, they'll go and they'll, they'll share something with you. They'll exaggerate the truth of some hardship that they're experiencing to try to get more of your empathy. Now, that shouldn't be our, our initial gut reaction. Anytime a child shares something with us, we shouldn't think, oh, they're just sharing this to get attention. That's a horrible thing to think, but it does happen occasionally. And so we have to be calm, cool, level-headed. When we're calm and relaxed, we show confidence, and that helps them to be able to rely on us. If they're trying to get that emotional reaction out of us, it shows them that, hey, that's not going to work. And two, if they are going through something that they're struggling with that is very emotional for them, they are able to rely on us to be thinking clearly and not with our emotions to be able to guide them and, and give them solid advice and handle the problem. They can trust us. If we start to get very upset, visibly upset, we're no longer that solid rock that they can rely on. Now, I feel the need to add here, like I'm pretty sure I've said on the podcast before, I know I go over in the tough case system that we do not want our students to become dependent upon us for their emotional stability. But we do want them to know that we are there to help and to show that we are we are able to lead them down the right path. We want them to become independent from us because we're not going to be there forever, but we do want them to become dependent upon God and our confidence and calmness and calm reactions to what sometimes can be hard news to hear from the youth in our ministry shows them that they can trust us not to overreact and do something crazy and that we are thinking clearly. So when we tell them 
that they can trust in God and take their problems to God, they are more likely to believe us and not think that we're just being an overly emotional wreck and just speaking without thinking. They can see that we're calm and we're a, a strong leader. You don't want to follow a leader who is just all over the place emotionally. You want to follow somebody who's steady. And that's what they need to see in us when they come and share with us. Now, I've been harping on this for too long. Let me share another thing that we need to be aware of uh, when we talk about trying to help kids communicate with us. And then I'm just going to give you some quick tips and tricks that you can use to help kids be able to communicate their own emotions when they maybe are struggling to do that. My sister was a teacher for a while. She had a student who would make jokes fairly often about being depressed. And it was always lighthearted, goofy stuff. She didn't think too much of it because kids, they, middle schoolers, you know, they, they make kind of dark jokes sometimes, not necessarily appropriate jokes. They're still figuring out how humor works and they just say things that anything that will get a positive reaction from their friends. So this kid would make jokes about being depressed fairly often and nobody really thought too much of it. Well, long story short, came to find out that he was in a very rough living situation at home. And he was struggling with his mental health a lot. You could not see it. And he was, these comments that he was making, he was saying them lightheartedly, but they were coming from a place of truth. He was struggling with depression and he was able to receive help. He was removed from that living situation. He was taken somewhere to, to get some help. That is, you don't need to worry um, from this story. That's not, I don't want to tell you this so that you can worry about him. I'm telling you this because Kids will make comments sometimes, and we can become dismissive of those comments when we really shouldn't be. We all know the story of the boy who cried wolf. The moral of that story is, hey, don't tell stories just because you're bored or just to get a reaction out of people because eventually they'll stop listening. And that is a good moral. It's a good story. But from a youth ministry perspective... We need to not be like the villagers in the story of the boy who cried wolf who ignored him when he really did see a wolf. And you might think, well, they were completely justified in not believing the boy who cried wolf because he had made up the story about the wolf the first two times. And yeah, that's true. It was justified, but look at the consequences. He was eaten by the wolf, I believe, is how the story ends, or at least all of his sheep were. And as youth ministers, we need to listen to our students, even if we know that they tend to exaggerate, even if we know they tend to make jokes about things that they shouldn't joke about. We need to take those seriously and make sure, maybe not every single time, but if they continue to say something, we need to check in and talk with them about it and give them an opportunity to share seriously one-on-one -on -one, because it, it might be coming from a place of truth. So listen when they make comments, when they say things that are likely a joke or likely not need, don't need to be taken seriously, we still need to, to think, okay, there may be some truth behind this. I need to remember to check in with them later on and make sure that this really is just a joke and not a cry for help of some sort. And then the last thing that we need to make sure we're doing to make it easier for kids to communicate, I mentioned at the beginning Youth ministry is about relationships. Well, develop a good relationship. And part of doing that through communication is talking with your youth, not just at them. 
when we're dealing with groups of kids, a lot of times we can get in the habit of just giving orders, just talking at them, telling them what to do, when to do it, where to be, how to stand, stop doing that, stop doing this. And we never actually just have a conversation with them about how's school going? What are you interested in? Would you rather be Batman or Superman? You know, would you rather have a pet dinosaur or a pet unicorn? Just fun kids questions. If they're teens, teen questions. How's soccer practice? You know, what's your favorite sports team? Would you rather have a dinosaur or a unicorn? A lot of times they're the same. But, you know, have real conversations with them. Make sure you're talking to your youth, not just at them all the time. And that gives them an opportunity to feel like they can talk to you and not just taking orders like they're in the military. Okay, this episode's starting to go long. So here's some tips for when youth are struggling to communicate their emotions, some things that you can do to make it easier. My favorite one is the thumb scale. I use this all the time to check in with groups of kids, especially, and just see how everybody's feeling. But I also use it in one-on-one situations, especially with younger kids. Most of these are going to be with younger kids, but I use them with adults as well. The thumb scale is you take your thumb, thumbs up means perfect, 100%, thumbs down means zero, awful, miserable, 0%, right? And I tell them, you can put your thumb scale anywhere between the top and the bottom, and I just let them show me on the thumb scale, I ask them, how are you feeling? Sometimes I'll get more specific, how are you feeling emotionally, how are you feeling physically, you know, how much fun are you having, anything like that, and it just helps them easily, without even having to think of any words to say, just show me where they are at. You can also use a 1 to 10 scale. If you know anything about first aid training, you've probably heard that you should ask people to rate their pain on a scale of 1 to 10. And if you've ever been to an emergency room, they probably asked you the same thing. And I remember the first time I was asked, when I was like a teenager, I thought, I'm not a kid anymore. Why do I have to give a dumb number rating with the, on this chart with the smiley faces? But the issue is that if I say it hurts really bad, the doctor or the nurse doesn't know what that means. You know, so me giving them a scale, a number, and telling them, they'll often ask too, once you give a number, okay, what would a 10 be for you? Because if a 10 for somebody is a splinter, then they know that a 7 is really not that serious. If a 10 is childbirth or a broken femur, then a 7 is much more serious, you know? So figuring out what is your extreme and your, your highs and your lows, and then where are you between those two highs and lows? helps people get a better idea. So if you don't like the thumb scale, you can use a number system, one to 10, anything like that, that will just help make it a little bit easier for people to quickly show you where they're at and how they're feeling. I also, mainly with team building, because I do a lot of team building, and if you are not doing team building games, I highly recommend it. Go listen to, I think it's episode six, (laughs) that is getting the most out of games. I talk about team building tactics in there, but you should definitely be team building with your youth one of the debriefing tactics that I use when I'm, we're talking about what just happened during the team building game and what we can learn from it is I've got a deck of cards that has a bunch of random photos on it. I throw them up in the air. I let the kids walk around and just choose a photo that they think represents something that happened during the team building activity. And it just uses images to help them be able to communicate better. It gets their ideas flowing, their jogs, their memory helps them to connect the dots on certain things. So use images, random photos, things like that, that just help the kids. Like, which one of these photos do you think represents you today or in this situation? Anything like that. It just helps kids be able to visualize and understand a little bit better. So use media. And then finally, 
the last one, and this is especially true for teenagers, is use technology. Use text, use social media, Facebook Messenger, you know, whatever else. Like it or not, kids are more comfortable communicating through their phones than they are face-to-face a lot of times. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that that's how it is. So we might as well use it to our advantage. If a kid or a teenager is not willing to open up and talk to you about something that they need to or want to talk to you about, but they're scared, they might be willing to do it through a text. Yeah, it should have some way for your youth to contact you, especially if you are at a church. Um, Maybe if you're at a camp or a school, it's a little bit different. Um, But if you have youth that you're ministering to long term, for months or years at a time, they should be able to contact you online somehow because that's going to open up more opportunities for them to be able to communicate with you and make it easier for them. Now, this one we also have to be very careful about because it's not always appropriate for you to be messaging a child on social media. So I'm not recommending that you go out and start DMing every single one of your youth privately, uh, what I am recommending is that you make yourself available for them to reach out to you and ideally reach out to you through a Instagram account or a social media account of some sort that multiple people have access to. Not multiple random people, but multiple people in your ministry. That way, there's no possible way that anybody can accuse you of doing anything inappropriate because there are multiple people who can log in and see these messages and they are available. They're not going to disappear. So don't use Snapchat because the messages disappear on Snapchat, but use Facebook Messenger, a phone number for your church or your ministry. Use text, use something where the messages stay archived for an infinite amount of time. Uh, and make sure that multiple people are able to log in and see those messages. Make sure that you, the youth that are messaging you are aware of that, of who exactly is able to see these messages, because you don't want to them to share something that, that they think is only being shared with you, and then they'll be appalled to find out that multiple people are, know about it now. But it doesn't need to be anybody. Maybe just your pastoral staff, something like that. Make yourself available in some capacity for them to be able to reach out to you online. and make sure that you're protecting yourself from accusations of inappropriate behavior. Anyway, this episode is getting long. Go to MaximizeYouthMinistry.com to check out the Tough Case system if you're having any trouble handling discipline problems without damaging the relationships between you and your youth. I highly recommend it. It's free. You can get the Tough Case system course for a dollar, which it's not going to stay a dollar forever, so go act on that now. And make sure you love the kids all the time, no matter what. I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. At the time of recording this, we have five reviews on Apple Podcasts and four on Spotify. I would love it if you could go and increase that number by one. It'd mean a lot to me and let me know that you are out there, you're listening, and you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening.